Welcome to the Keeneland Daily Podcast here on the In The Money Media Network. Nick Tamaro here deputizing for Peter Thomas Fornatal, who continues to tour England and probably imbibe quite a bit, knowing him just a tad and taking all the sights and sounds of uh, everything across the pond. So I am here to do this podcast. Very pleased to be joined by Gabby Gaudet, track handicapper for and and well beyond um, one of the many titles that we were just discussing, she and I, before we came on, is Mother, which is probably the most important title that you have. Right, Gabby? I feel like I'm a woman of many hats nowadays. <laughs> but yes, most importantly, Mother to Crew, uh, who's about to turn one. So very excited about that. But we're in the swing of things right now at Keeneland, getting, getting ready for the Breeders' Cup. So it's a crazy but very exciting time. Yeah, no doubt about it. Second week, first full week of the meet tomorrow will be, we're, we're taping this on Wednesday afternoon to Thursday card, will be the fifth card of the meet, 17 days in the regular meet. And then, of course, those two days for the Breeders' Cup, the first weekend in November. Of course, all of you out there who are not in the money Media Plus subscribers, be sure to join up because we've got some great content. This is free content that will be available every day during the Keeneland meet uh, the next a few weeks, I should say. So let's go ahead and get started. We're going to cover the late pick five on this Thursday show, which is going to begin in race number six on Thursday afternoon at 3.40 Eastern time. It's a six furlong, $50,000 maiden claiming event. Gabby, I won't bore everybody by telling them my morning lines, at least not in every race, because I do want to give everybody the opportunity to line up where they're going to take shots at, at maybe some of the mistakes. But it does look in this first leg race six as if number eight signs is going to be a pretty heavy favorite for Brad Cox dropping in for a tag. Yeah, but I still think that she might be a little untrustworthy here. She is dropping in for a tag. Brad, with this move, uh, he's he kills it. Made in special weight to maiden claiming, especially even in their second start. I mean, we're talking over 30%. So the barn does very well with this angle. But when you look at her debut, she was um, on the lead, and she dueled with a filly who wound up finishing fourth in that race. Now, this filly... She wound up finishing seventh, being 17 lengths. So I would say that that, you know, is a negative mark against her. But the favorite of the race and the winner of the race was a really well-backed first-time starter for Godolphin and Brendan Walsh, pretty mischievous. So, um, yes, she is coming out of a tough race, but I just kind of want to go in a different direction. I'll use her second. I will use her in the pick five. The two, Divine Grace, I just thought was a little interesting just because of the progression that she's she, she was making. Um, even most recently, that fifth, fourth place finish against Maiden Special Weight Company at Colonial. And it's not the biggest drop in class when you look at that field against today's field. But I just kind of, I think she kind of fits the flow of the race towards the inside. She should be able to get a stalking trip. I will say, though, Nick, this is a very tough race. And this is kind of a perfect example of what makes Keeneland so difficult sometimes. Brad Cox could win this race by a pole, and I won't be surprised. But there are horses that are coming from so many different jurisdictions. And that you horses can win from anywhere, um, shipping in from anywhere at Keeneland. And that's what sometimes makes these maiden races or claiming races so so tough sometimes. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, right. Because the, the other thing also is that looking at, at today's card that just concluded, Brad Cox had a similar horse early on that was dropping in class that he scratched. That horse had some had run five times, though. 
um, you'd actually think he might be more likely to scratch a horse like Signs, who he's looking to maybe still see what there is uh, under the hood as she's mm-hmm. only run once before. So I agree. I mean, a, a horse that that I thought was uh, a little interesting was the seven right now for Kenny McPeak. You all, I always want to give his horses a little bit of extra consideration. I don't think the debut was bad. I have no idea what happened last time out. I mean, obviously, it's it's very hard to figure. This is a homebred, so no great surprise they're going in for a tag just trying to find a competitive spot, but uh, McPeak also has the three peaceful moment who came from well out of it on debut at Churchill in a restricted maiden special weight race would obviously need to improve. Um, one of the horses that isn't, that really wouldn't need to improve a lot, as you mentioned, is divine grace for Michael Ann Ewing, who ran well enough last time, I think to really contend. That's the first leg of the pick five race number six. Let's go to the seventh, which is for two-year-olds at about seven furlongs. They'll go the beard course on the Keeneland main track. This looked like a pretty competitive race. If you have an opinion against the seven summon your courage, were you a buy or sell on summon your courage? A sell. I went to uh, McGahee here with the four Juan Valdez. Um, This is a horse that debuted at Saratoga going seven furlongs. And maybe this wasn't the biggest excuse because I went back and watched the replay. But this horse was slammed from both sides coming out of the starting gate, Um, which I think is, you know, considering... The circumstances, sometimes, you know, I weigh that heavier than others, but it, it was a two-year-old first-time starter. You don't want to get out of the gate like that in a tough maiden race at Saratoga. Um, he's got a beautiful pedigree by Medaglia Doro. He's a half the constitution. Um, I just think this horse might be a little bit more live today. And he comes out of that maiden special weight, which produced Instant Coffee, who ran fourth in the Breeders' Fraternity. So I went in that direction. Summon your courage. Wasn't he kind of supposed to win last time out? Hundred percent was absolutely supposed to win last time out. Was does um, I mean probably not? I, I I would say not hurt by the performance of Traffic Master today in the seventh at Keeneland, who ended up losing a photo for second, ran respectably. But yeah, I think he's a horse that that is probably uh, had his chances already, and and I he does feel a little ripe for the picking in terms of of maybe a, a an interesting first time starter or a second time starter, like you're mentioning in Juan Valdez. Yeah, I don't know what to do with the eight extra Anejo. I mean, this is when you look at Steve Asmussen, he usually holds his horses, his two-year-olds to win. You know, he points for Saratoga or he points for Churchill Downs. If you look at his two-year-olds and their records at Keeneland, they're not great, but this horse has a beautiful pedigree. Um, By Into Mischief, they sold one point or they got him for 1.35 million at the Keeneland September sale. Um, and he's working fast. That's the horse that I don't know what to do with. Yeah, he's working very strongly. They paid a pretty penny, as you mentioned. The dam side, uh, at least the, the first dam superiority complex, was a two-time turf winner in her day. It, it's not a, you know, it's not a pedigree in the first family that really bowls you over. But um, there is quite a bit more in some of the past generations. I know that into mischief progeny obviously sell. Uh, pretty much more strongly than just about any out there but that's a horse who i think you'll have to you'll have to tab some of the toad action on uh, on him to get a better read for it there was another runner who and and my hats off to kurt becker who's gonna have to watch travis to see how he called the three 
to Shibway is what I'm guessing. Um, this horse went off seven to one in a big field on debut on Arlington Million Day. Looks to be coming back working strongly. One thing I've noticed, Gabby, is that horses that are training well at Keeneland, it seems like word gets around, and these horses are always a couple of clicks lower. This is a horse they paid an absolute fortune for, considering his pedigree, 475000 for a race day. There might be maybe a little bit more there. <laughs> yeah, I need to get to the bottom of this because that that is a crazy sales price. He obviously, I didn't look at the the work yet, the two year old in training work, um, and I don't know how fast he went, but I would imagine he went pretty fast to sell for four hundred seventy five thousand dollars, considering that the stud stands for five thousand. Yeah, I'm going to guess he blazed. I'm actually looking as we talk because uh, I wanted to to find out I'm that curious. But um, and, and he clearly is a horse who has some alacrity in the morning as far as training goes. Uh, very willing to go quick as that bullet recent bullet workout goes to show you as well. Uh, Rudy Brissett, obviously, one that can certainly have one ready on debut as well. So the, he at the sale, he went 21 flat uh, for, for two furlongs. And I don't know if that, I mean, that was one of the quicker, quicker two for a long times on the synthetic. So obviously it was not a sub 21, but it was quick enough to garner 475,000 for a race day. We'll have to see what kind of support to gets at second asking that is in the second leg of Thursday's late pick five. Let's go to leg number three, which is at six furlongs on the main track. Going to be dealing with one of the shorter priced favorites, probably of this entire card. Uh, in the six static fire coming back to Kentucky off of two turf tries. I'm sorry, coming back to the dirt uh, after trying the turf last time out of Kentucky Downs in addition to a try at Saratoga. It looked to me like static fire really laid over this field. She does, but I'm crazy. <laughs> She's probably going to be a single in a lot of people's tickets and she can win. Look, when I went, went back and watched her race last time out at Kentucky Downs, I think six and a half furlongs was probably just a touch too far for her. She was on the wrong lead. She tired late. She just looked like she was falling apart a little bit in the latter half of the race. Um, but she can bounce back. Look, her, her main track try is fast. She's She got an 86 fire speed figure. She laid over that field that day at 701. Um, she beat a filly by the name of On the Ones and Twos, who my husband trains. And at the time, we really liked her. So, yes, she can be, she might be very tough. Um, <laughs> this horse, Nick, and I've, this has happened. This wouldn't be the first time. This horse may win or may finish last. Uh, the two, Roses for Deborah. I'm just very curious about this filly. I know she's a Pennsylvania bred. I know she's only raced at Presque Isle. But the only reason why I'm buying into this is because I've watched some of her replays and she just looks like a gutsy filly. Her last race, she had her ears pinned back. She looked like she was all racehorse and the rider never moved a muscle. Um, now, look, that's on the synthetic at Presque Isle. Who knows what she's going to do on the dirt? And she she might not even be fast enough in order to win here. But I'm just I'm taking a shot. 
I don't blame you. I mean, look, she's obviously a horse who knows her way to the winner's circle as well. No denying that being a perfect four for four. And it seems like a logical spot for the connections to try her on dirt. She's versatile enough, too. So I think it's a potential scenario where if there's a, a rival like the three promises to dance or even the four chasing fireflies that wants to force the issue a little bit with static fire on the outside, uh, that could make things interesting for somebody trying to come from a little bit off of it. I think there's also some concern as far as static fire goes with her need for the lead. And and I don't want to hold the Coronation Cup against her. I think it was the Music City more so that may have shown that she's a bit of a need-the-lead type. A lot of speed horses are better when they're on the lead, almost all of them, in fact. This idea that a lot of them need a target, I think, is very silly. But if there is a rival that wants to push her early, I think that could make things a little bit interesting as far as some of the alternatives go. But that is a very fun race with Static Fire looking like a pretty solid favorite. On to the ninth, the lone turf race on this 10 race card. We've got a bulky field going a mile on the turf. The rail is at 10 feet for this event. And number two, Candy Light is likely to be a, I would say a slight favorite, not, not a solid favorite by any means. She comes in off a third place finish in the Virginia Oaks. I did think the 10 Blissful would get a good amount of support for Cherie DeVoe after an impressive maiden win. And it looks like she might be working her way back into form a little bit too. Where did you land here, Gabby? Yeah, this is a tough race. Uh, the two Candy Light, I respect. I'm going to use her second. She's a three-year-old going against older fillies and mares today for the first time. But uh, her, the one thing that's going against her is her lack of overall early speed, especially at a mile. Sometimes we see that help horses turning back in distance. It kind of makes that closing kick a bit more potent. Hey, or, Gabby, hold on one second. Did you did your internet potentially drop? No, I got. I have. I have two bars. It says you're offline on here. I wonder why. Um, all right. We'll just keep talking. They'll, they can edit it. I have no idea how to edit it. But um, okay. We'll just, uh, I'll, I'll stop talking. And if you just three, two, one and keep talking where you were, that'll be perfect. Okay. All right. Thanks. Three, two, one. Um, I used the two candy light in second just because I don't I don't like the fact that she has no early speed. Um, she's been going a mile and an eighth, and sometimes we see that help turning back in or cutting back in distance, I should say, which is what she's doing to a mile. It kind of helps their kick be a bit more potent, and sometimes it can have the reverse effect. So I, I do respect her, but I actually went to the seven Daisy B as the top pick for Rusty Arnold. Um, her race, her races as a two-year-old were very good. I thought her maiden victory at Keeneland was excellent. They gave her some time. She hadn't been seen since September of this year. And that race was at Kentucky Downs going a mile. And she was involved in a fast pace um, and then faded to finish fourth. But I think that race will do her wonders in terms of her fitness now coming back to Keeneland where we know she likes. So I thought she was a very interesting horse in here. Yeah, it makes sense to me. I think there's a lot of a couple of ways you can go. Uh, another runner who I didn't we didn't mention so far is the nine Jubilee Bridge from Mike Stidham, who made her North American debut at Pimlico uh, back in September. Went off two to one, ran what I thought was kind of an average race. She might be a horse that need needed the race off the layoff. She will have to improve, I think, in order to contend here. But there's reason to believe that she just might be able to handle that kind of jump in class. Candy Light looks to be an improving type and uh, definitely off of the tough trip turf debut to back did run or not turf debut, but return to turf two starts back. She did run a lot better in the Virginia Oaks. She got no pace help in that one other than at Saratoga either. Can't deny the grand motions barn looks like it is hot 
going into this second, continuing the second week of the meet. Let's go to the nightcap race number 10 at six and a half furlongs on the main track. This looks like a competitive race on paper, though I will say if the 5-1 for Richie runs his last race, I think they're all in trouble. I agree. The 5-1 for Richie, that's where I go. Um, He just looks like the controlling speed in here. He looks like a horse that's been in form. He just, he absolutely knows how to win. And he's known how to win recently. Sometimes we see these horses, they get into their five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old year, and they can start, you know, maybe getting out of form a little bit, but that's not the case with him. He's won five races so far this year out of eight starts. So I think the only other horse in here that could possibly provide pace pressure would be the 12 shacks way but this horse is coming out of a seven furlong race at charlestown um i think he's lone speed goodbye for the last one for richie Looks pretty simple to me. Indeed, Shaxway does look like the main speed on paper. Thursday Betrayal beat one for Richie, two starts back. Little pace compromised last time out. That's a horse I'd probably try to find a way onto some backup tickets. Well, that's a look at Thursday's late pick five. Big thanks to uh, to Gabby. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me on, Nick. We appreciate it, and uh, I'll have Gabby back uh, pretty shortly, I think, for a look at Friday's All-Turf Pick 3. Make sure you join up at In The Money Plus to get a good look at all of that content. We'll have all the way up to the Breeders' Cup. Nick Tamaro, until next time, best of luck.